0: That's ljsinnercircle.com, or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. From time to time on this podcast, I like to come out with a super high-value episode, like one that just really, really packs a punch. And in my opinion, when it comes to becoming a better jazz improviser, it's all about frameworks. It's all about step-by-step processes for actually getting better, not fancy tricks, not new little licks or solos to learn. These are the things that really matter to me in our practicing. So when a lot of us look at jazz standards and we're confused, we don't know where to start, we're not sure how to take our jazz improv on a jazz standard from one place to the next level, we need frameworks. And so in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about improv hacking jazz standards, my three-step proven, and I mean that when I say that, proven process for really starting to crush it on jazz standards and start getting better at jazz improv are you ready for this let's crush this thing welcome to the ljs podcast where you get weekly jazz tips interviews stories and advice for becoming a better jazz musician and now your host he's a jazz musician author and entrepreneur brent bartstra Woo. What's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. And I'm super pumped about today's episode. As I said in the intro, it's it's a value-packed one. It's one where I think that you're going to want to reach out for uh, your, your notes. You know, start taking some notes on this one. One thing I didn't mention is in the introduction was that this is also a celebration episode yes this is a celebration episode uh yesterday from the time of uh, the recording the release of this podcast rather uh, we launched the brand new lgs inner circle membership to the public if you're on my mailing list you know all about it and hopefully, you're becoming a member. Uh, so, this is really a celebration episode as well, just to kind of celebrate the launch of my new membership. If you're not familiar with the LGS Inner Circle, the LGS Inner Circle is uh, my new membership that includes access to all of my courses, access to uh, a jazz standard study a month. We call it the Jazz Standards Club, access to new Basics 101 courses. Live monthly Q and A sessions with me, as well as a really premium community of other like-minded musicians, and with practice groups, lots of really fun stuff inside. And you know, just a little warning for you: after I'm done with the content of today's episode. I am going to hard sell you a little bit on this membership. Um, And I'm not trying to offend anybody if you're offended by being sold to. um, But I really do offer this up because I believe it could be a a really big, huge impact on your jazz playing. Um, But what we're talking about today uh, really makes a lot of sense with my membership. And that's why I've chosen it as our celebratory episode, talking about how to improv hack jazz standards. We all want to be better improvisers over jazz standards, but oftentimes we're lost. Oftentimes we don't have a step-by-step framework for how to practice one, how to learn one, how to properly start scaling our improv skills, so that when we get up onto the jam session, get up onto the bandstand, we feel confident and we feel like we're able to express ourselves musically. Does that sound like something you want? I know that's something that I want and I'm continuously working towards. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into my three-step proven process for improv hacking jazz standards. Here we go. Step number one of my three-step process. Now, step number one uh, is how to learn a jazz standard by ear the right way. So step number one is learning jazz standards by ear the right way. Um, this is super important. And when we talk about becoming great jazz improvisers, this is really the foundation. And any builder will tell you that the most important part of a building is the foundation. Uh, A great foundation ensures that the rest of the building can go up with relative ease, right? We know that there is strength in the foundation, and learning a jazz standard uh, the right way needs to be our first step foundation. This is really important. And if you don't learn a jazz standard the right way, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to be handicapping yourself. Just imagine you've got a a ball and chain on your leg and you're just dragging it and trying to run a marathon. It's not going to work that well. So we want to set ourselves up for success. Now, for many of you who have followed me for a long time, you'll probably be familiar with what I call my list process for learning jazz standards by ear, which I'm about to go over. So if this is brand new to you, I know you're going to find this very enlightening. If this isn't new to you, I really want you to pay attention to this because I think that repetition is really important in our education and I want you to be reminded of these steps and how important each one of them is. Quickly before I go over my list process for learning a jazz standard by ear, let's hone in on to the by ear portion that I'm talking about. Now, why will we learn by ear versus a piece of sheet music? Not that there's anything wrong with sheet music, not that you can't cross-reference what you're learning with a piece of sheet music. It's not bad. It's not evil. But learning stuff by ear is good for several reasons number one it strengthens the most important asset that you have as an improviser which is your ear if you want to be a great improviser your ear is what you need to rely on not your eyes it's your ear okay so when we learn a jazz standard by ear it is going to help us out immensely with in improving that asset that we have. Okay, the second one is repetition. When you learn something by ear, naturally, you have to repeat it many different times so that you can get it by ear rather than just reading through it once, right? And reading through it twice. But you know, you're know you really just relying on seeing a code on a piece of sheet music rather than truly getting it inside of you. So repetition Equals internalization. Internalization equals confidence. When we get onto the bandstand. That we're not going to get lost. That we're going to know what the chord changes are. And therefore improvise over them better. So we could go over a myriad of other reasons. Why learning by ear is better. But now let's go into the actual process for doing that. Because the natural question that a lot of people ask me at this point. Is that sounds good Brent. But learning by ear for me is not easy. I feel like it's just going to be a waste of my time. Um, So hopefully you realize now that it's not a waste of your time, that it is going to set you up for success. But here's a great process for doing this. It's my list process, and that's an acronym, L-I-S-T. So let's go over each one, one by one here. The first step of the list process is listen. Listen to the jazz standard. May seem like an obvious first step, like, you know, Brent, I didn't need to listen to seven minutes and 40 seconds of this podcast to learn this, but let me dive a little bit deeper into this. Now, what I suggest you do is find as many different recordings as you possibly can of the jazz standard. Create a playlist, and everywhere you go for a period of time, maybe a week, maybe a few days, as long as you'd like, constantly be listening to that jazz standard now in my inner circle membership uh, we do a jazz standard of the week uh, sorry of the month in the jazz standards club and one thing i do provide is spotify and youtube playlists so that you can have a bunch of recordings to really listen to so you want to be listening to this jazz standard as many times as you possibly can tons of different versions so you get a whole range of different viewpoints and perspectives on the tune we're starting to get this tune inside of our head now important to note we have not picked up our instrument yet in the learning process we are only listening. So L stands for listen, and it's getting as many different recordings as possible onto a playlist of sorts and listening wherever you go, passively or even actively. Okay, step two of the list process is internalize. Okay, internalize. Now, this is an extension of the listening process. Except for this time, we're going to really just take one of the recordings and just focus in on that recording. Now, the reason we're going to do this is because we're going to really base our learning of the tune and translating it to our instrument on this one recording. Um, I often use the example of Blue Bossa. If I'm learning Blue Bossa, there's a lot of recordings of Blue Bossa out there, but the one I'm really gonna wanna listen to is Joe Henderson's recording, because Kenny Dorham wrote the tune And Kenny Dorham's on that album, and that's the first recording of Blue Bossa. So that's the one I'm really going to want to listen to. So now we're taking from many different recordings of the Jazz Standard to one recording of the Jazz Standard, preferably the original recording if it's there or one that you think is a really great representation of all the different versions you've listened to. Okay, now, when we're doing the internalization process, we want to be active listening, Versus passive listening. So passive listening, maybe driving in the car. Passive listening, doing the dishes. Doing some other activity with the music in the background. Active listening is where, like watching a movie, you sit down or stand up if you want. And listen and only focus your attention on that recording for different periods of time. Maybe 15 minutes a day. Maybe 30 minutes. However long you want. The point is you're really trying to get inside of that tune forwards and backwards, okay? So I is internalized. So we started with listening to a bunch of recordings. Now we brought it down in just one recording and active listening, internalization. Now, again, I want to point out to you, so far, no one, no one, we have not touched our instrument to learn this tune yet. We are really just getting really familiar with the tune. Okay, let's move on to the next step of the list process, which is S, sing. Sing. Now, it doesn't have to be singing. It could be humming or whistling, whatever you want. But this is an important step in the process because if we've truly internalized the tune, we will be able to sing it, hum it, or whistle it. Now, I'm mainly talking about the melody in this particular case because the melody is just a single note line. We can't really sing chords, right? It's not that super easy for us to do that. So the best thing we can do is at least be able to sing the melody. So if you can sing the melody, then you're on track to really knowing that tune, right? That way, you're not necessarily having to learn the melody by listening to the recording and translating it to your instrument. You already hear it in your head, and singing proves proves that you know that tune now an extra pro tip like if you're a little bit of a level up from there and you do want to start learning the chord progressions by ear a good thing to do here is to try to identify the bass notes and sing the bass notes of each chord So, try going and seeing if you can establish what the bass notes are and singing each one. And then, if you're a little bit more savvy with ear training, then you can start to fill in the blanks with what quality of chord or what chord progressions you're hearing. And I do have lots of tutorials on hearing chord progressions by ear, but I'm not going to really dive that deep into this right now for the sake of this podcast episode. But that's one thing you can do in the singing process is identifying those bass notes so that that will give you a good start on getting those chord progressions down. Okay, so we've done the singing process. So listen, internalize, sing. The final step of the process is T, transfer, transfer. Now, for the first time, we are actually picking up our instrument and we're going to take what we're hearing now in our head. We prove that we've internalized through singing and now we're gonna transfer it to our instrument, okay? So this is the point where we you know, technically don't even need the recording. Like we could just like do it by ear at this point from what we're hearing in our head. But this is also a good point to cross-reference with the recording again to make sure you're not missing out on any notes. For example, if you learn like a bebop head like Confirmation or Donna Lee, it's unlikely that you are singing things note for note perfectly. It's really unlikely. You may have the essence of it, right? And you can hear it. But you're gonna want to really get those exact notes. So this is where, yes, you do go along with the recording bar by bar and you transfer it to your instrument. However, this process is gonna be way, 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 way easier because you already have it inside of you. Now, this is what people don't do. They they go straight, the first thing they do when they want to learn a new jazz standard, they don't listen to it that much. They may listen to it a few times, they don't sing it, they don't internalize it, they just pick up the instrument, and try to learn it by bar bar by bar. And this is doing it by ear, which I do recommend over sheet music, but this still, you're cheating yourself of truly getting to know this tune. So this is the last step of the process, is to go and transfer everything you're hearing to your instrument. Now again, as far as the chord changes goes, I would just encourage you to do your best, do whatever you have the best of your knowledge to, and feel free and no shame of cross-referencing with uh, with, with a sheet piece of sheet music. I mean, that's really the only way you start getting good at this is you learn a bunch of tunes. You start recognizing what chord progressions sound like, and then you just fill in the blanks. Like, okay, it's a two, five, one and B flat major. And you know, you just start filling in the blanks and hearing patterns. And the only way you can really do that is starting by struggling a little bit and, you know, feeling free to cross-reference with sheet music. Okay. So that's step one of my three-step proven process the list process for learning jazz standards by ear quick review listen internalize sing and transfer now if you start with learning that jazz standard this way i can pretty much guarantee you that everything after this is going to set you up for success like you're not going to feel um You know, so handicapped when you go through actually approaching your improvisation, starting out the right way, not only will help you remember the tune, not get lost in the tune, but it's just going to help you understand it so much better so that when you go to improvise, that process is completely opened up for you. Okay, that's step number one, learning jazz standards by ear the right way. Let's move on to step number two. Step number two. Um, This is what I call mapping out notes in jazz standards. So step number two is the mapping process for finding what notes are possible to play over a jazz standard. Now, I want to really hone in on something that's very important about this step. This step is not a musical step. It's not very musical, at least. This step is more the here's what we have available to us. It's like if you look at a map and you have a final destination... There are likely many different ways you can get to that destination. I'm thinking about where I live here in New York City. If I wanna to get to Grand Central Station, you know, I could take my car and we go down this road or this road, or I can take the train and get through, the, through this train line, or you know, maybe I'm trying to get to Grand Central Station, but I'm up in Harlem, so it's a whole different set of train lines that I need to take. You know, so there's so many different ways to get to one spot. What we want to do is map out all those different avenues, all those different things that are available to us, And even find the best route, like the quickest route, the most effective route for us to start creating music. And so this is just a mapping process where we are defining the choices that we have through note mapping. Okay, so there are three different phases to the note mapping process. Now, the first process of note mapping that we always start with is chord tone mapping. Okay, chord tone mapping. Now, why would we want to start identifying the chord tones of a jazz standard? The chord tones are really what's going to help us spell out the changes. Now, you listen to great jazz musicians play and you realize that they're not really just playing scales, right? And they're not just playing, you know, key centers. They're outlining chord changes. That's what makes it sound so good is that you can really hear the chord changes come out in their solos. And the best of soloists could play by themselves just single note lines and you would know what song they're playing even though they had no accompaniment at all, right? That's, that's, that's how you know you have a really great improviser on your hands is if you're able to do that. So chord tones are the best and what I would consider the first place to start when mapping out a jazz standard. So there's two parts to this. So the first part is of course just knowing what the chord tones are. Now, this just comes down to some basics, like, do you know the, the basic formulas for seventh chords? Like, a major seventh chord is root, third, fifth, seventh. Uh, dominant seventh chord is root, third, fifth, flat seven. A minor seventh chord is root, flat three, five, flat seven. A half diminished chord is root, flat three, flat five, flat seven. And a fully diminished chord is root flat three, flat five, double flat seven. So knowing what those are and being able to play those chord changes in all 12 keys is just important that you just know how to spell out all of those uh, those those chords. And so if you don't know how to do that, I would recommend spending just a little bit of time getting familiar because the second part of the mapping process is using a tool that we call voice leading. Um, now, voice leading... I've gone over this in a previous episodes, but voice leading is is essentially connecting one chord tone to the next chord tone, the nearest chord tone of the next chord. Um, if that doesn't make sense, think about it as if I'm on a C, ending a chord on a C note, then... I'll look for the next chord tone that's in the next chord that will be the closest connection. Maybe it's just a stepwise connection or a chromatic connection, or even if you want, it could be the exact same note if that note is also in the preceding chord. So when we do this, we start connecting chord tones together. So let me play a really quick recording of a chord tone map over top of the jazz standard on the sunny side of the street, which is one of the studies that we have right now in our Jazz Standards Club in the Inner Circle membership. so that's a chord tone map now you could hear that all the chord tones were kind of going ascending and then descending using this voice leading technique so the, the chord tone map, again, is not musical. Like when you heard that, did it sound a lot like music? Not really, right? But if you were just to play those chord tones with voice leading, would you be spelling out the chord changes and identifying those notes? And one or two ways that you can connect them together? Yes, you would be. Would that be valuable on a technical level? Yes, it would be. Okay, so that's the first step of the mapping process is chord tone maps. So the second step is guide tone mapping. So what's a guide tone? Uh, The guide tones is where we break things down a little bit further from the chord tones and ask ourselves, well, of those chord tones, which ones are the most important notes that we should really be thinking about when we're improvising? And for our purposes, guide tones, the ones that are most important are the thirds and the sevenths. And the reason that the thirds and the sevenths of each chord are important is because those are really the notes that change from one quality of chord to the next. For example, the difference between a major seventh chord and a dominant seventh chord is the flat seven. The difference between a dominant seventh chord and uh, uh, in a minor seventh chord is the flat three, Right. Now, when we get to the half diminished chord, yes, we have the flat five in there that does change. However, in general, the fifth is not a very strong chord tone. And if you look at the difference between a half diminished chord and a diminished seventh chord, it's the seventh that is the difference between the two of them. So as you can see, what's really going to help us hear the chord changes come out is if in our jazz lines, we are aware of where those guide tones are and are resolving to them. So for example, one really powerful chord tone is the third. And if you ever really want to just spell out a chord change so that no one is going to you know, have any questions, resolving to the third is a really powerful thing to do. Especially like, let's just say you have a two, five, one chord progression and it's in the key of concert C major. And so you have a D minor seven, uh, F seven, uh, sorry. Uh, yes, a D minor seven, a G seven, and then a C major seven. Well, the third of a C major is E. So if we resolve to that E, it's just going to pop and you're going to hear that C major seven spelt out like an explosion. And same if you did that to the to the, the G seven, is if you hit that third of that dominant seventh chord, it would just pop and explode with the sound. So being aware of where the guide tones are in a jazz standard and on the different chords is really helpful. And we would apply the exact same technique to this, is that we would use voice leading with guide tones to spell them out. So I'm not going to go through the guide tone mapping exercise right now and show you that, um, but it's the exact same idea. Now, in this particular case, you would play half notes for the guide tones because you're only doing two Bars, uh, two two beats. Uh, sorry, two two notes per bar. Um, you know, unless of course you know there's two chords in the bar, so then you would do quarter notes. So you're you know you're just really mapping them out. It's not musical at all. But once you start identifying them and fi- figuring out how to connect them together, it really will help you out a lot. So the third and the final step of the mapping process is scale mapping. So scale mapping is where we basically fill in the blanks. So, and notice that we didn't start with scales. Like one of the most popular blog posts on my website is called 16 most important scales in jazz. I'm really happy that people love that post, but it kind of goes to show that people love scales so much that sometimes they just go straight to them. They don't go to other means. They just think that scales are going to answer their problems. But the problem with scales is that they really don't spell out chord changes. I mean, you could play all different modes of the major scale over a bunch of different chords, and sometimes you wouldn't even know the difference, right? So it's important that we don't start with scales. And the way I think about scales is simply filling in the blanks. So we have chord tones and we have guide tones. What are the notes in between those chord tones that we can play? Well, it'd be helpful to have some different options. So when we talk about a scale map, I like to just go to the most simple scales, So what I'm going to do is show you, and it's the same example of using a scale and then voice leading in between to connect them together. But I'm just going to go over a simple blues, uh, a blues in C, for example, and we're just going to choose really basic scales. So over dominant seventh chords, we're going to play Mixolydian scales, which the best way to think of a Mixolydian scale is, well, there's a couple ways, but one way is just to think of it as a major scale with a flat seven in it. We're also going to use a Dorian scale, which is great to play over the two chord and it's essentially just starting uh, a major scale on the second chord tone and that's a dorian scale and we're also going to be doing um we're also going to be doing the the whole half diminished scale um, because there is one diminished chord in a jazz blues form so just so you can hear it to get the idea here's what it sounds like Okay, so again, not very musical, but these are mapping processes, right? So we're really just identifying notes. So what I wanna ask you a question really quickly is if you were to learn a new jazz standard and you could play all the chord tones voice led together, all the guide tones voice led together, and the scales voice led together, could, do you think that would help you? Like, do you think that that would like at least help you not feel confused about which notes to play? And the answer, 100%, I don't care what level of a musician you are, is yes, it would help you to be able to do that. Um, Because part of improvisation is simply knowing what to play, right? I mean, a lot of people just say, I just learned a bunch of solos by ear. And as you'll see, that is one thing that is important. And that's a, a foundational thing with learning jazz and improvisation, but... They leave out the part that you know. if you don't know how to navigate your instrument, if you don't really know what you're you're dealing with, if you don't know the what, then you're kind of going to be a little bit lost or at least handicapped. So, so far, let's go over the two steps of the three-step proven process. And the first step was learning a jazz standard by ear the right way. And we talked about the list process. So that's your foundation. Okay, that's your foundation. So then we have, you know, the framing of the building. And that's step two, which is mapping out the jazz standard. So the chord tones, the guide tones, and the scales. We have all these note options now available to us, and we have an idea of how to connect those notes together in a melodic fashion, a.k.a. voice leading. So now let's kind of go to um, the last step here. And this is really important. There's two little um, processes. uh, I guess they're steps within the step that are really important for this. So step number three is to start creating jazz solos. Okay, creating jazz solos. Again, that might seem a little broad, like, well, we want to create and improvise, right? But it's more important the two steps that are inside of actually doing that. So the big question for step number three that that you should be asking is how? How do we create great jazz solos? Um, And I really want to emphasize create because... We don't want to just play scales, like I said. We don't want to just regurgitate licks and solos of other musicians that we've been learning from. We want to create. Creation is key. So let's go over the two-step process within the step of creating solos. So the first step is just simply learning jazz language. Learning jazz language. Now, um, I like to separate, and many of you will be familiar with this, I like to separate jazz language learning into two different categories. One is micro jazz language. And micro jazz language is much like learning licks, like little phrases over a chord or a chord progression. And they're very valuable because when you learn that little piece of language, instead of looking at something on a big picture scale, you can look at an isolated event that you see come up a lot in jazz standards such as a 251 chord progression and go okay here's one way that Wynton Kelly or Red Garland or Miles Davis or Hank Mobley whoever you like approach this 251 and therefore you learn a little sentence or a fragment that you can say over top of that jazz standard or that that li- little lick or that that uh that chord that chord progression now, the other category is macro jazz language, and macro jazz language is more like learning solos or a, or a chorus of a solo or two choruses of a solo. Um, it's just more, it's, it's, it's usually over at least an entire song form, right? That's macro jazz language. The value of macro jazz language is twofold. One, that you can um, really get a sense of how a jazz musician approached Playing over a specific jazz standard. That's very important to see not only how they did uh, a two, five, one chord progression or a single chord, but how did they connect it all together into a larger narrative? And that's really valuable, right? Because, like at the end of the day, we don't want to just say random sentences. We want to s- tell stories. And so, we want to know how they did that. And the second benefit is that when you learn macro jazz language, you can break it down into micro jazz language. So, maybe you learned a chorus of a blues solo. But now you want to say, well, how do they connect the diminished chord to the one chord again? Well, here's the way this person did this. Let me take that into all 12 keys and see if I can not internalize that a little bit better. Now, the other form of macro jazz language that I really, really, really like is etudes. Now, for those of you who don't understand what an etude is, an etude is an exercise, or in our case, a solo that is, rec- that is composed over a jazz standard to demonstrate very specific things. So it could be like just actual concepts like perhaps motific development or something like that, or it could just be a solo, but it's composed specifically to help you improvise better and learn language over that solo. So I love etudes a lot. They're really helpful in your jazz education. In my Inner Circle membership... Um, when we do our monthly jazz standard study, one resource I provide is an etude over top of that jazz standard to help you start learning language. And I hire um, a professional jazz musician, professional jazz musicians to, rec- to compose and record these just for our inner circle members. So I'd like to just show um, one etude over top of On the Sunny Side of the Street, which was um, the first study that we did for our founding members a month ago. Um, so you can get an idea. It's a very simple recording. It's just you know, left hand piano and right hand piano um, without comping a lot, so you can really hear it very clearly. So that's the etude for on the sunny side of the street. Now, if you were able to play that, would you not have some incredibly great ideas for improvising over that tune? 100% you would like, yes. Like if you could actually do that, I mean, think about what you could start creating for yourself. Now, here's the problem that I hear everybody tell me. I mean, this is just like, if I could just like make a recorded message for this, um, it would probably save me a lot of time in my email inbox. But people constantly ask me, whenever I try to play a lick that I learned or a part of a solo I learned when I'm improvising, I freeze up and I can't do it fast enough or it doesn't happen organically and I'm just not able to do it very well. How do I take the music that I've learned from other people and incorporate it into my solos? And here's the answer that might shock you. You don't. (laughs) You don't do it. You don't try to take the music that you learn from other people and incorporate it in your solos. Not that you can't quote a lick, not that you can't do any of that stuff, but if you really want to start creating jazz solos, again, I'm going to emphasize creating, then what you need to do is start creating. So the phase two is composing your own solo. Composing your own solo. Now, I'm sure you're also thinking now, well, what do you mean? Like, I mean, composing is not what we do in jazz. We improvise, right? I mean, that's that's what we do. That's what I'm trying to do, Brent. I'm trying to improvise over jazz standards. I don't want to compose a solo. That doesn't make any sense. Well, let me talk to you about composing really quick. So first of all, uh, when we when we are improvising, what are we doing? Really, we're composing just very quickly. <laughs> that's all we're doing. We're composing very quickly. Now, it's very hard to compose quickly because that makes... Uh, there's so many things that have to come together muscle memory, um, just hearing great musical ideas, being technically proficient on your instrument. So improvisation is pretty hard to do. It's hard to compose quickly. So wouldn't it make a lot of sense to become a great improviser if we slowed that process down into what we call composing? So composing is going to allow you to think of all the things that you wish you could think of in the moment to create a really great solo. And here's the great thing to do is you learn a phrase or a, a chorus of a solo by a musician. You've now just learned a bunch of really valuable language, information that you may have not known before or have gotten some big aha moment or takeaway or idea. Now you can take a, a chorus of that jazz standard you're working on and you can compose your own solo, but use references or use techniques or different ideas that you've learned from that solo and apply it to your solo yourself. Now, why do we do this? Like, why do we compose our own solo outside the fact that it will help us become a better improviser? You are much more likely to organically play something that you created rather than what somebody else created. And let me just repeat that for, you know, dramatic emphasis. You're more likely to organically play in your jazz solos something that you've created and composed that came from your head and your ear than what somebody else did. So you can learn and get inspiration from those musicians that you learn solos from, but then you want to apply it to something that you yourself created because then you're more likely when you're actually improvising to regurgitate some of those things and for that to naturally come out. Does that make sense? So it's not enough just to learn a solo by ear. It's not enough just to learn a lick in all 12 keys. That's an important part, but you also have to create for yourself. And then after you've done compose, you're have done you done composing a solo, great, you put that one away, and you've learned from it, and you can start practicing improvising over it. Now, you might not feel like things come out right away, but over time, they will, and the more you do this, the more powerful it will be. Okay, so let's go over all this three-step process, and then I'll wrap things up a little bit. So first, we have the list. We have learning jazz standards by ear. This is the foundation, list process. Second step, we have the frame of the building, and that is the mapping, like the, the discovery of what the notes are that you, we can play and voice leading them together melodically. And the roof of the building is, you know, the part that's keeping things out of the, of the weather, like the rain's not coming in, the snow's not coming in. It's what we, it's what really gives us shelter, right? And that is learning the language and creating great jazz solos by composing so that it more organically comes out. Okay. All right. So this is really important stuff. And if you start actually taking action on this stuff, I guarantee you that like, I mean, things are just going to get so much easier if you implement this process. All right. So I did mention at the beginning of this episode that I was going to hard sell you a bit on my new LGS Inner Circle membership. So if that's going to bother you at all, I would definitely say cut off of the episode now. Um, But actually, let's just wait for those people to leave. Okay, I think I think they left. <laughs> I think they left. Um, but I, I do want to just share how the LGS Inner Circle membership can help you accomplish all of these things and your your jazz goals. And so quickly, if you don't know what my LGS Inner Circle membership is, uh the LGS Inner Circle membership uh gives you access to our Jazz Standards Club, which is a monthly jazz standard study, it includes, you know, all the mapping exercises I just talked about. It includes an etude. it includes chord charts. It includes um, playlists. It includes a community of other musicians. It includes uh, a cor- color-coded chords analysis, a tutorial video. And that's just one aspect. That's just the Jazz Standards Club. You also get access to all of my courses. So 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing, How to Play What You Hear, Jazz Blues Accelerator, the Jazz Standards Playbooks. Um, all of my premium courses you have access to. It- also access to new Basics 101 courses we come out with a little bit more frequently. Um, as well as live monthly Q&A calls with me, and also a a community of other like-minded musicians. We have forums and we have practice groups. So it's really a powerhouse jazz education membership. And really, when it comes to all these things I just talked about in this podcast episode, what if all of the material was just there for you? Like, What if you had all the resources? And again, Just as importantly, what if you had a community of other like-minded musicians playing all sorts of instruments from all over the world, actually doing this with you, like actually practicing with you, going through the process with you, um, to get feedback, to ask questions. It's really invaluable. And I'm not just saying this for myself. Um, I've actually had a group of founding members who joined the membership. It's a smaller group about a month ago before our public launch yesterday, and I have not heard from anybody that this was not incredibly valuable for them, that they are not loving their membership. And I'm not just saying that to give a good word for it. It's just true. I haven't heard anybody say that this was not just completely awesome. Here's just what one of my members, Glenn, uh, sent me the other day uh, about the inner circle.
1: Hi, I'm Glenn from D.C. and I play guitar. I have played guitar for a long time. Uh, had the opportunity to study music uh, at college, and have gone to a lot of uh, clinics and seminars, a lot of books, things like that. Uh, grateful for all the teachers I've had, but I feel like uh, there's something that uh, Learn Jazz Standards, Brent and his team have brought to the table, which was different. And that is, uh, there's so much information out there, right? Especially now that there's so much available on the internet, so many YouTube videos, so many books, so many things. And uh, it's hard to know where to focus your time. And I feel like they have brilliantly distilled uh, the most important things, uh, been able to uh, communicate them and give them uh, a form where you can actually apply them and have progress. And I think that's been my story. I've been part of the inner circle now just for a short time, but it brings together all those things beautifully. And it really, uh, in many ways, I I can't imagine what more we could be given in a membership, uh, all these resources. So it's been great. I encourage you to consider it. And um, I hope your plane just takes off.
0: And I do want to play just one more uh, from uh, another member, whose name is David, uh, from the UK.
2: Hello, I'm David Leaper, based in the UK, and I play clarinet and saxophones. I've been doing jazz courses for a few years, and uh, last couple of years I've tried online courses uh, using Learn Jazz Standards. And joining the inner circle has really brought it alive. It's set new goals and new challenges and total immersion in a new charts and a different way of, of, of learning. So it's been really encouraging. Brent's a great teacher, he's very positive, And I found the whole community experience really interesting, listening uh, to how people are getting on, um, obviously setting your own goals for your own progress. has all been very constructive. So, I really recommend the whole uh, inner circle. I think the approach is fantastic, learning things by ear, and I couldn't ask for a better course. So well done, Brent. Uh, fantastic, and uh, look forward to the next few months and maybe years.
0: And so, one thing that I think is the funnest for me about the inner circle so far, um having just gone through it a month with my founding members, is the community. Like, it's so much fun to pop into the forums and just see people encouraging each other and answering questions and practicing things together. And that's kind of one thing. You know, I have a bunch more of these uh, recordings that people have sent me. Um, and a lot of people really talk about how great the content is. Like, Yes, the content is really good. Yes, the courses are great. Yes, the Jazz Standard Studies are great. Yes, the access to the Q&As are great. All of that stuff is really valuable, but people love being a part of the community and one thing that people mention to me a lot, and I feel inspired by, is we have people from all over the world. We have people from Germany. We have people from all different parts of the United States. We have people from South America. We have people from Hungary. We have people from literally all corners of the world. And they're not just you know playing one instrument. We have guitar players. We have saxophone players. We have piano players. We have trombone players, trumpet players. Um, we have melodica players, we have mandolin players, we have people playing all kinds of different instruments. And I find that that's one of the most valuable things, especially because most memberships and most, you know, sites out there, it's kind of like, you know, all for jazz guitar or all for jazz bass, right? But the collection of ideas and perspectives that everybody brings to the table I think is one of the most valuable things about the community that really is starting to feel like a jazz family. Um, and it's really special and it's actually making me really excited just every day when I wake up and go and check out the community, that's kind of part of what's really firing me up. And everybody seems to say that, yes, the content's great and also the community. It's just so wonderful to be a part of this community. Um, So, I would love for you to check out and consider joining the LGS Inner Circle if you feel like something like this could be right for you. Uh, I have links in the show notes uh, to go check it out, learn more, uh, or go to ljsinnercircle.com. LGSinnercircle.com. That's where you can um, get signed up, learn more, and get signed up for it. Uh, it, Right now, during our launch week, we're doing a special uh, deal where it's 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 a pretty good savings on the membership just for the next 7 days. So, I'm sorry if you're listening past our launch promotion period. Um but you know, if you are listening during the time then this is your chance to get a really great deal on the membership, Locked In For Lifetime, which is probably the bigger headline is it's locked in for lifetime of your membership. So be sure to take advantage now, um, lgsinnercircle.com. If you think all this will be helpful. Um, Thanks for letting me, you know, be a little bit of a hard sell today and, uh, you know, for being gracious enough for allowing me to do this. Um, I really do think it is the most valuable thing I've come out with on Learn Jazz Standards. um, And it's kind of the... Uh, everything that I've ever tried to do to just help people learn how to play jazz and get better under one roof. So again, ljsinnercircle.com. I appreciate you. Uh, as always, coming out with a great new podcast episode next week. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show. Hope to see you in the inner circle and uh, cheers.